Hello and welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast from Arcadis UK where we focus on the recovery and the revival of our cities. I'm Emma Nelson and today, closing the digital gap. With almost 2 million households in the UK with no access to the internet, how do you successfully build an economic recovery for everybody? It is about something that makes real economic sense and sense to society and being able to make it better skilled, better connected and more healthy generally. My guests, Mark Harrop from Arcadis UK, Dave Nielsen from Fusion 21 and Paul Finnis from Digital Access for All, explore how to make sure in the future no one is left behind. Way back it was a nice to have, but now it's a a kind of must have. This is not a quick fix. This requires authorities to stand back, focus on delivering free social broadband and then working collaboratively behind the scenes. That's all ahead on Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. And a very warm welcome to today's programme. How many of us take having access to the internet for granted? When lockdown took hold earlier this year, the assumption was that if you couldn't do whatever you needed to do in person, then you jumped online and got on with it from home. What the pandemic exposed, however, was that for many, this was far from the case. In some of the most deprived areas of the country, up to a third of people aren't digitally connected in any meaningful sense. There are 1.9 million households in the UK today that don't have access to the internet, and up to 9 million can't use the internet or their device without help. Now, this gap in knowledge and access is called the digital divide. And to tell us more and to look at ways about not only just closing the gap, but also to make sure that in the future no one's left behind, I'm joined by... Mark Harrop. I'm head of telecoms at Arcadis. We help telecoms companies build their networks and we provide advice to public sector on their digital strategy. Hi, I'm Dave Nielsen. I'm the chief executive of Fusion 21. Uh, We're a specialist consultancy business that helps public sector save money and we invest those savings in issues that are important to society. My name is Paul Finnis. I'm the chief executive of the Learning Foundation and we launched last year Uh, an initiative called Digital Access for All, which was designed to ensure that every school child across the country could access the internet and the digital world at home. Gentlemen, welcome to Long Story Short. Now, in September, Arcadis UK released a report. It's called Our Shared Recovery, and you can find it on Arcadis UK's website. It looks at what's needed to strengthen and rebuild our communities in the light of the pandemic – Closing the digital divide is very much a priority. Mark, I'll come to you first. Six out of ten of the people who responded to a survey for the report said they're worried about a growing digital divide. How worried should we be? I think very. I mean, I think the problem has always been there. Um, I think COVID has just kind of brought it into really stark contrast. So we can now see exactly where the kind of the digital fracture lines are in society and we can start trying to address it. Um, Paul, this is the case, isn't it, that we had the digital divide existing long before the pandemic struck? Yes, that's right. The, I think that generally people thought that everyone was kind of connected. And in, in a sense, lots of people are because, of course, they have a mobile phone and things. But, but as soon as the pandemic hit and youngsters were having to uh, access education from home, they realised that a smartphone really was no longer good enough for the job. Dave, explain what Fusion 21 does in this area and where you have noticed the digital gap coming into play. 
Fusion 21 particularly focuses on a couple of areas, employment and skills, health and well-being and deprivation generally. And we invest in these areas with the whole range of public sector organisations we work with, housing associations, schools, universities, health authorities. And our aim is to work with those organisations to help to build a better access to a digital world. Because it's interesting that those three subjects all would benefit from better access digitally. Mark, when we're thinking about building and constructing and and making areas and cities and communities work, there is a natural assumption that you've got to have gas, you've got to have electricity, you've got to have water. But how much has being digitally connected not been part of this requirement? I think digital is a really big part of cities' strategies. I mean, it's seen as a key enabler for the economy and for society. But a lot of government effort has gone into addressing geographic coverage challenges. You know, so for example, getting broadband out into rural areas. The government's putting five billion into that over the coming few years. The issue is not necessarily with now with geographic gaps. It's actually with societal gaps. So issues like like affordability, skills, access to device, are blocking a whole group of society from actually accessing the benefits of the internet. You look at kind of Lloyd's Consumer Digital Index this year, that said a family with low income, with low digital skills is probably paying about £500 a year more for its kind of cumulative utility bills than a digitally skilled family with the same kind of income. Paul, how much does it actually cost society when you have so many people who can't function normally within it through no fault of their own? I recently heard that it's certainly in the tens of billions of pounds in terms of gross domestic product. So there really are costs, not just to the individuals and to the families in terms of their access to the digital world, but to the country as a whole. Increasingly now learning, for instance, is done online, not just for schools, but for adults looking to retrain to get back to work. Paul, let me stay with you for a moment and let's explore a little bit more the issue of school education. It was accepted that the education of most school children would be harmed by lockdown, but the extent of that harm depended on your situation. Could you explain for us what the digital divide exposed there in terms of the effect on children and their learning? Most independent schools were able to pretty much flick a switch and kids were instead going online to receive their lessons and their learning. Not the same at all in the state school system. Not only were there were the one or two million youngsters we talked about who were disconnected, so couldn't connect with the school, but schools were not equipped to deliver learning either. So one figure I heard is that kids at independent school were doing something like on average 60 or 70 hours of learning per month online, even before the lockdown, compared to just five for kids who were Uh, in state schools. So the learning divide is already big and the digital divide is just going to make that bigger. We don't want this to be just a pandemic response. The ability for kids to be able to go online when they get home, to do their homework, to do some research, to connect with their friends about schoolwork and stuff is absolutely essential. Mark, at Arcadis, you're working with local authorities to shape their digital strategies. Where do people need the most help? 
generally, one of the problems that local authorities face was having a joined up approach to challenges like digital connectivity. Most authorities really are bought into the need and really want to kind of deliver it. And frankly, there's been a lot of initiatives going on, encouraging fibre deployment into social housing, for example. But that's not necessarily translating into take up. It still becomes a uh, subsidised commercial product, which means that there are people who can't afford it. So I think there's a lot of good work going on and there's a lot of focus on the problem. But the reason that it's not being addressed in a really groundbreaking way is because it's a big, difficult problem to resolve. And Mark, at Arcadis, when you've been writing about addressing digital poverty, you've been suggesting that people work together in a way that perhaps in the past they haven't felt they've needed to. I really am focused on driving towards free social broadband. And the business case behind that is highly complex. You know, what you've got to do is look at the cost of current service delivery, the cost of new delivery models, and it will be a multi-sided business case, which means you need collaboration across various parts of the public sector. With COVID, I think the rate of collaboration and the willingness to collaborate across the public sector means that things like free social broadband are drawing into focus and becoming a real option. You're listening to Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. We're looking at the future of technology and how it's a vital part of safeguarding the way society works. Inequalities shaped our experience of the pandemic and it shaped our future chances. So let's look now at how bridging the digital gap can solve wider societal challenges. Um, joining me to do that, Mark Harrop, Head of Telecom Sector at Arcadis, Dave Nielsen, CEO of Fusion 21 Group, and Paul Finnis, CEO of Digital access for all. Dave, Mark has just mentioned the fact that it's difficult to approach because it is a difficult problem which is very, very big. When you start bringing together all the various departments and players in in this, where do you begin? Uh, I think this is a difficult problem to solve um, because I don't think it falls the backbone of uh, main government's policy either. Jerry Corbyn in his campaign at the last election talked about the whole principle of providing a base level free social broadband, which was kind of laughed out in some respect, but people don't seem to realise how important and fundamental it is to what could be our future society, the way in which it can improve our economic performance, the way in which it can improve our health, our well-being, our employment opportunities and our skills. So how, Paul, could communities be transformed by this? Way back, it was a nice to have, but now it's a a kind of must have. I think I'm struck particularly by the fact that in order to access lots of government services to log on for universal credit and free school meals and a whole variety of other benefits, you have to do that online. And I think the irony is that the people who are most likely to need to do that are the people who are most likely to be disconnected. So there is a real need for them to get connected. But there is a lot of conversation going on too at the moment about what does that mean? Because of course, there are lots of issues around safety and security for young people, for children particularly going online. So there is a lot of work to ensure that it's not just about devices. It's not just about connection to the internet. It's not just about skills, but it's also about safety and security for everybody. Mark, let's talk about the idea of ambition here. Do local authorities sometimes underestimate what they can get done for comparatively little cost? The prize here, I think, is really, really significant. The cost of delivering 
decent broadband into social housing is under £9 a month. And then you stack up against that all the cost savings. And I think digital has got a role to play. And when cities have looked at smart city technology before, they've tended to look at things that are technologically attractive, like smart parking, smart bins, those kind of smart lighting, and shied away from where I think it will have much more significant results. And that's in the areas of adult social services, housing, healthcare, where cities spend billions. Mark, tell me a little bit more about what Arcadis is doing with the Sheffield City region. You're you're currently reviewing South Yorkshire's digital strategy. And this means you'll be helping to attract investment to the region to pay for the likes of 5G, superfast broadband, making sure that everybody's better connected in the long term. How are you bringing the public and private sectors together? In Sheffield, we're working with Bursley Homes and with Barnsley Council. Uh, We're pulling in local universities to try and help work out how we dissect the problems, build the business case, build the hypothesis, and then put it to the test in a real build. And the timing is right. And how do you bring people along with you? What you've got to do is think about how people use the internet and use broadband. So one of the challenges, for example, is a lot of the people who still remain disconnected today are the older age groups. And you ask them if they want the internet and they quite rightly come back and say, well, not really interested in it. We've lived this long without it, don't really need it. But when you say, do you want to speak to your friends? Do you want to stay in contact with your family? That changes it. And I think a lot of this is going to be about engaging with the various audiences, finding out exactly what motivates them and then starting to build some of these business cases I explained earlier on. Dave, in your view, what's the key to all this? So I I think that basic level broadband uh, free access should be an absolute requirement across the country. People can then use that to develop the skills, to improve their access to the workplace, to improve their access to health and well-being services. Paul, tell me a little bit more about the work that you're doing to ensure that people in need of education have access to it at absolutely every single level. I mean, there's been such a long discussion about, you know, get everybody super fast broadband, give everybody a laptop. This isn't really possible or realistic, is it? One of the things we're missing at the moment is is leadership. And uh, one of the things that we would, we're, we're looking for is for government to take a lead on this. There is a lot of fantastic work going on across the country at really local level and at national level, but it's not being captured. So each organization is having to learn the lesson each time. They're having to understand how best to deliver this to, to people each time. I actually do think that uh, delivery of devices and connectivity to people is a pretty simple job. There are numbers of hurdles which we would need to get over. But if you think about it now, you can buy a pretty good laptop now that will do most of the things you want it to do for £150, £200. There is broadband everywhere at the moment. And I've heard some lovely stories about families who have knocked on their neighbour's door and asked if they could access their Wi-Fi when the youngster comes home from school so that they are borrowing their neighbour's Wi-Fi when they're not using it. So I do think it's fixable. And actually, in terms of the the kinds of sums of money that the government is talking about at the moment, it's a relatively small investment, given that the return for the country and for individuals and families is so, so big. Dave, what Paul has suggested, therefore, is that the public sector has to be supported by the private sector. 
is is this the way that things are going to have to go insofar as when government can't take the leadership position, the private sector must step in? Because it changes, it kind of changes the role of everything at that point, doesn't it? I personally don't understand why this is such a big challenge for the private sector organisations. I do think that the government needs to provide incentive. And uh, let's face it, the government have because they've put huge amounts of money into broadband infrastructure across the across the UK. So I do think it is about working on a business case where it's not just a almost charitable uh, offer. It is about something that makes real economic sense and and sense to society and being able to make it better skilled, better connected, uh, and more healthy generally. What are you seeing, Mark? You get fibre companies building, they they will build in city centres, but what they will do is they will build in areas that make most business sense for them. So they will go for the nice housing developments where people can afford high-speed broadband. They tend to avoid the less well-off areas. So you get kind of an infrastructure differentiation. If you leave it completely in the hands of the private sector, it comes down to a profitability challenge. And, you know, you look at uh, some fibre companies will claim to serve social housing and that's fine. They go into the basement. But actually, when you look at the the, the take up levels, it can be between 15 and 30 percent, which means between 70 and 85 percent of people are not using that fibre broadband for whatever reason. An affordability skills device will be part of that. Paul, how do you convince the private sector that you can do good as well as doing well? The issue for companies at the moment, of course, has been that uh, they, just like everybody, have been affected by COVID-19 and the, uh, and the lockdowns, and they're struggling to, to just deliver business as normal without having to go beyond that. Um, I had a really interesting conversation with one of the big telecoms companies, and they were saying the number of contacts they've had from anything from individual schools to individuals and families to governments across the country, local authorities, asking for help on this. And I think that's one of the other issues. They are getting literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of contacts. Uh, and, and of course, they, they can't help everybody, but they need to be able to work with just a small number of individuals to deliver the most response to the most individuals that they can. One of the other areas which I'm really interested at the moment with communications companies is that People are saying that uh, the amount of data you have at the end of your contract, if you're able to donate that, so I don't know about you, but you know, if I get 10 gigabytes a month, if I don't use two of them, I can donate those to a family that needs them. And apparently there's enough of that data around at the end of months to enable every family to connect with the internet that they need to. So I think there's some lovely initiatives around at the moment. It just needs to be all brought together. Finally, give us one thing that everybody should really focus on when it comes to closing the digital gap? I think it would actually be the net benefit, and I think it's a fiscal benefit, of providing uh, what amounts to free social broadband. I do think there's a net gain, not just in terms of skills, health, opportunity, but I think it's also financial as well. I think it can save the public sector huge amounts of money, not least the NHS. Uh, If they could swap to 50-60% online consultations, that would have an enormous effect on a physical infrastructure that is so under pressure uh, under the NHS at the moment. How about you, Paul? What would be a fix for you? I would love to see universal free access to broadband. In terms of practical fixes, we're just working on one which launches next week, where businesses will be able to donate their old 
devices or computers into a system which will then generate money which can buy refurbished devices and those can be given free of charge to families because one of the other issues at the moment is even if you wanted to buy devices there're just not enough of them around in the country or in the in the world to get them Mark what about you my request would for local authorities not to be distracted by the whole range of tactical solutions that are available today this is not a quick fix requirement this requires authorities to stand back focus absolute laser focus on delivering free social broadband and then working collaboratively behind the scenes because ultimately the public sector holds the key to making this work when do you see change actually happening it is already happening it's already happening and i think that the if you look at individual families benefiting one family benefiting is one family that's uh, you know on on the way forward again it'll be my guess 3 to 5 years before it's fixed for for everybody, for the majority of people. But I love the fact that every day families are joining and and, and, um, and moving forwards. And that brings us to the end of today's programme. My thanks to Mark Harrop, Head of Telecom Sector at Arcadis UK, Dave Nielsen, CEO of the Fusion 21 Group, and Paul Finnis, CEO of Digital Access for All. Thank you all very much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed that, then make sure you subscribe. You'll find fresh podcasts popping up regularly at arcadis.com slash UK. And there'll be lots of extras too, all to do with the future of our cities, our communities and their recovery. You've been with Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. I'm Emma Nelson. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>